in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Thank you, David. Continually chronologically through the Bible, Solomon has built the temple. He has written his Proverbs. Now he is quoting others. This statement is going to be very important in today's lesson. Again, he's quoting others beginning with chapter 22, verse 17. Proverbs chapter 23 is where we're at. Verse 26. <laughs> Proverbs 23, beginning at verse 26. My son... Give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. For a whore is a deep ditch, and a strange woman is as a narrow pit. She also lieth in wait as for a prey, and increaseth the transgressors among men. Again, a different writer who agrees with Solomon. Very, very important. I'll tell you why. Solomon is very close. I'm thinking within a year. Of Ecclesiastes. Solomon, in my opinion, my estimation, is beginning to drift spiritually. Solomon has at least two wives, and I think probably closer to a hundred, but I don't think he's anywhere near the thousand yet. Why does Solomon put this here? Understanding it's already in Proverbs 5. If you, if you look at verses 26, 27, and 28, it's almost Proverbs 5 condensed. It's almost the exact same thing. Why put this here? I think Solomon may be talking to himself using someone else's words. A lot of us, and I almost want to say all of us, a lot of us have certain habitual sins that are very, very difficult to overcome. I know of a preacher who left a note explaining why he shot himself. And it was a sin that he could not overcome. We're going to deal with that today because I believe that's what Solomon is attempting to do is deal with that temptation. 29. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine. Very important. We're going to see in Ecclesiastes, this is another temptation that Solomon had. We always assume it's the women that tripped him up. It was a lot more than just the women. But he immediately goes from the women to the wine. And I think that's on purpose. Again, quoting somebody else. But Solomon's the one that has organized this book. They that go to seek mixed wine trying out new drinks. Nowadays, this is very, very common, even in church. Even in church. Alcoholism is rampant across our society. 
in church particularly, and I'll tell you why. Alcoholism is one of those sins that, because it's chemical, you can get a, a huge, huge, I hate to use the word satisfaction, but it's exactly what it is. It's a satisfaction, and then immediately, within 12 hours or so, go to the church house and be fine because you've scratched your itch. In the church house, it's easy to fool everybody because you're not having any kind of problems with temptation. But it doesn't last. There are a lot of alcoholics in church. Look not thou upon the wine when it's red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. This is wine tasting, folks. Wine tasting in our society is what the, um, the elite do. In Claremont, we actually have a winery that has wine tastings once a month with a band and everything. It's a classy type thing, but this is what he's talking about. He's saying this is not a good thing at all. At the last, it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. If this teaches us that drinking is sin, like a lot of churches do teach, why did Jesus create wine? There are preachers, and quite honestly, I'm one of them. I wish he'd have chosen a different miracle to do first. I, it's like, Jesus, I, mean, I, I know you're God. I know you know what you're doing. But for your first miracle to create, to take water and turn it into wine and make it good wine, man, it, it would have made my job a lot easier if you hadn't done that. If this teaches that drinking is a sin, then why did Jesus create wine? This is talking about overindulgence. Overindulgence. This is people in the past several verses that overindulge in something good. Personally, I don't trust myself. This is one area the Lord has kept me far from because I'm terrified of it. I've told Michelle this several times. The reason I don't even casually drink is not because I think it's wrong. I don't think it's wrong at all or else Jesus would not have done that miracle. The reason I don't casually drink a little glass of wine with dinner, that's, I don't touch it because I don't trust myself. I don't believe I have the self-control to stop there. And for me, I choose not to even touch it. Not to even touch it. Again, It'd be a lot easier to say, just don't drink at all, which a lot of creatures do, do. And they try to explain away Jesus' first miracle, and they don't do it very well. Food, on the other hand, I recognize. Food, for me, has this exact same process. Exactly the same process. Overindulgence in anything is sin. Overindulgence in anything. Overindulgence in work. Is sin. I submit to you, overindulgence in church can become sin. There are a lot of people so involved in church that they neglect their families, and that's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. A lot of preachers are so active in church, their wife doesn't have a husband. That is sin. Overindulgence in anything is sin. 33. Thine eyes shall behold strange women going back 
to where he started. <coughs> thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. He's bringing his two temptations together, the wine and the women. And he's saying that one does not help the other, one hurts the other. Lack of self-control has caused thousands to die from disease, which is what he's talking about there with strange women. Venereal disease is not new to the world. It's gone all the way back. Or spend years in prison. Again, gone all the way back. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea. Seasick. By choice. Seasick by choice. Or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. Do not answer out loud. This has been in your Bible for as long as you've been alive and way longer than that. Many of us have read this verse many, many times. Don't answer out loud. Does anyone know what he's talking about just by raising your hand, but don't answer out loud? I studied this, and I'm going to show you what he's talking about. I'm going to warn you. This picture I'm going to show you is going to make you seasick. I promise you it will. Or is he that lieth upon the top of a mast literally is in this position right here. Imagine the boat rocking, but you're up here. Now you think about that long enough, and you'll get seasick sitting right here. That's he that sitteth upon a mast. They have stricken me, thou shalt say, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. Notice this last line. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. What is his cure for alcoholism? More alcohol. It's exactly what he says there. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. Most, if not all Christians, know exactly what this feels like. We hate our sin, but we know it's the one thing that for a little bit will make us feel better. And so we keep going back. Again, it's not the same for everybody. And a lot of times... We look at ours and kind of excuse it because it's not as bad as somebody else's. Would Jesus do it? That's the question. If Jesus wouldn't do it, then why do I continue to do it? Forget comparing to Solomon, compare to Jesus. If what I am doing is not working, why do I keep doing it? And that's what we're going to focus on for the next half hour or so. If what I'm doing isn't working, why do I keep doing it? By the way, just to peek into Ecclesiastes, Solomon is going to dive headfirst into both in Ecclesiastes. After this, why keep doing it? So how do we escape it? That's the problem. How do we escape it? Again, for me, it's food. For you, it's whatever it is. How do I escape Food. Food makes the world okay for me. 
I don't understand it, but it does. It makes the world okay. Because it makes the world okay, the more I get, the better the world is. And the only thing that stops me, and Michelle will tell you this is true, the only thing that stops me is I can't fit any more in. By the way, this is the only thing that stops an alcoholic. This is the only thing that stops a drug addict. This is the only thing that stops most people who have a sin that they just can't get out of. They physically can't do it anymore. The same way we escape any sin is how we escape this sin. The Lord showed me a passage that helps with escaping sin. Solomon did not have this passage. Based on Solomon's um, writings, I don't think Solomon even had the wisdom included in this passage. There's a couple things in this passage that Solomon hits at, but to put it together in a way that would have helped him, Solomon didn't have it. But God has given us some wisdom that will help in overcoming these sins that we just can't get around. This will help any alcoholic. I'm not saying this is going to solve an alcoholic's problem because an alcoholic's problem is bigger than they are. This will help any overeater. I'm not saying it's going to solve any overeater's problem because their problem is bigger than what they are. It's not the thing that you're indulging in. It's the feeling that comes from it. It's idolatry, and that's the real problem that's involved in all of this. But Scripture has given us a way to deal with any type of sin. We will want to take notes. I promise you, you're going to want to take notes. Even those who think, oh, I know what this is about. I probably, we're going to get to a point and you're going to say, man, I wish I'd been taking notes on that. This stuff is important. Not because I wrote it, but because of what the Lord showed me in it. We'll want to take notes, if not for ourselves, for someone we love. There are people that we love that have addictions, that have problems, that we cannot comprehend why they keep doing it. This is what will help them if they will have the information and then try to act on the information. On the other hand, on the other hand, if we go at our personal addiction, sin, whatever we want to call it, if we go at it as though that's just me, I'm not going to try, you will fail. Guaranteed you will fail. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Turn there. I want you to see this in your Bible. I believe Hebrews was written by Apollos. I don't know that to be a fact. There are some speculate it was Paul. There's significant differences between Hebrews and the rest of his writings, uh, the rest of Paul's writings. So I'm not, I don't, I don't think it was Paul. But the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 gives us some very specific, very powerful tools to help in these sins that we keep running back to. I believe in my heart, had Solomon had Hebrews 12, he might have been more successful with all those women and the alcohol. I believe in my heart he would have. Verse number 1 in Hebrews 12. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Stop right there. Hebrews 12 verse 1 is famous for that line. You know what people teach in that? They teach that people on the other side can see what we're doing here. The writer of Hebrews doesn't care about what people on the other side see. He's trying to help us with sin. He's saying that people 
throughout the ages have experienced the same problem. But what can they see? Trust me, they're focused on Jesus. If they can see us, they're not looking down here. They're focused on Jesus. Yeah. So forget what they see. See, wherefore see we're so cat with great cloud of witness, people who understand what I'm about to say. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. I'm not going to say all, but I'm 99.999% of Christians have a sin that they struggle with. Most of us won't admit it. For Proverbs, women and alcohol, Solomon and the writer of, of the chapter that we're in, chapter 23, whoever wrote that understood women and alcohol is the sin that easily beset them. For me, it's food. For you, fill in the blank. I'm not going to ask you to say what it is. You know what it is. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Folks, we have to decide to try. We have to decide to try. So many times over the years, I have began a diet and then quit. The beginning of the diet is good. The quitting is bad. But why do I quit? Why do I say this is just who I am? So what? I'm giving up on God's help. I'm giving up on God's help. I know it's not right, but I just don't feel like that God's going to beat this for me. Think it through. Think it through. Does God's word work for everybody else except me? Well, that's, that's absolutely crazy. God's Word works for everybody. So if God's Word said it's doable, it is doable. We just got to do what it says. We must decide to try. Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. Start with Jesus. Start with Jesus. So many times... And again, for me, it's food. I'm going to go back to food over because I understand food. I don't understand alcoholism. I don't understand um, um, uh, um, a lot of addictions. I do understand food. Did Jesus do this thing that I'm about to do? No, but he was God. Did Jesus teleport everywhere he went? No, he walked. Even though as God, he could teleport. Jesus limited his power as God so he would understand our temptations. So Jesus knows exactly that temptation to do whatever it is, in my case, eat. Start with Jesus. Always start with Jesus. Do not start with keto. Do not start with Weight Watchers. Do not start with... with uh, um, <coughs> Alcoholics Anonymous, do not start with, um, what, you know where I'm going with this, okay? We feel like there's a program, as long as we do the program, we'll be successful. Don't start with the program. Do not start with the program. The program will fail. All programs fail if they don't start with Jesus. All of them do. Trust me, every diet fails if it doesn't start with Jesus. This one I know to be from experience. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, not only did he start our faith, he is going to complete our faith. Yes, this is eternal security, but in context, it's making it through this life. 
in context, the author and finisher of our faith is getting us through this life before heaven. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, Jesus, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. What was the contradiction of Jesus created them, yet he let them kill him. There is no bigger contradiction than that. He did it on purpose. Consider what he did and his ability to not have to do it. Lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. All of us know what this is like. All of us know what it's like to be wearied and faint in our minds. I cannot do it. I can't. Even with God's help. Because He ain't helping enough. How can I say these things? I've, I've lived them. I've lived them. And I strongly suspect you have too. Be honest with him. Start with Jesus and be honest with him. Jesus, I know that turning to food is wrong, but I don't know how to stop. Be honest with him. Say the words. I want to encourage you to say the words out loud. You'll be shocked and how he won't be surprised. You'll be shocked at how he won't say, really, I, well, that explains a lot. Had no idea all that was going on behind closed doors. You did a good job hiding. He won't be surprised at all. And we will be shocked at how much it will help just to say the words. Because no longer are we psychologically trying to hide it. The power of sin is secrecy. The power of sin is secrecy. That's why when we go to church, we think everybody's got it together except us. There is no bigger lie than that. Everyone, and I say this a lot, everyone who ever goes to heaven deserves to go to hell. Everyone at church deserved to go to hell. Billy Graham deserved to go to hell. There are no good people. Admitting to Jesus out loud, I wouldn't do it when everybody's around, do it in your car, great place in the car. Jesus, this is my problem and I don't know how to stop is very, very powerful. Yet have not, ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. This is an obvious statement, but it says something different than what you may think. As hard as it's been, Jesus went farther. As hard as it's been, you have not done all that you can do. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. 
as we're admitting to Jesus our problem, he knows the extent that we put into it, and he knows exactly how much more it's going to take because he's been there. Very, very powerful in talking to someone who has been there and understands. Always start with Jesus, though. Weight Watchers works very well and has for years and years because you're talking to people who have been there. Alcoholics Anonymous works very well and has for years and years because you're talking with people who have been there. Start with Jesus. He has been there. He will not be surprised. Admit it to him. Understanding that he has gone even farther than you. He has been where you are and has gone even farther with you. So, well, Jesus never sinned. Jesus had every temptation. Every single temptation. And successfully resisted it. Ultimately going to the cross. Imagine the temptation Jesus had before they arrested him. He knew the time had come. He sweat drops of blood from the stress. He went to his father and said, if there is any other way, please don't make me do this. Imagine the temptation he had. We have not gotten that far yet. He understands. Folks, this is difficult for everyone. A lot of non-Christians just give in and wind up dead. They won't try to resist. They say it's impossible. It's difficult for every Christian who will not give in. I'm, 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 I'm not going to say everybody because I, I don't know everybody's position, but Jesus, I mean, the writer of Hebrews says, put aside the sin that so easily besets us. He's assuming we all understand what he's talking about. Keep trying. Keep trying what he's saying here. You haven't resisted unto blood. There's more things that are available to help. Verse 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. Stop right there. What exhortation have we forgotten? I'm going to give you a hint. It's found in your Bible. It's there for us. And the reason we want to give up is we've forgotten it, whatever it is. God's Word is very, very, very powerful. Get in to God's Word. Stay in God's Word. If there's a problem that's too big for God's Word, we've forgotten the passage where it's at. We've forgotten it. The King James may sound more godly, right? When you said that Wednesday, I just started laughing. The King James may sound more godly, but an easier translation may help you like it did me. I am not a King James only preacher. Those that are, that's between them and God. But what I have found in my own life, if I'm using the King James, I'm not going to get out of it what God has for me. I'm just not. 
I preach out of the King James because our bylaws say that's what I have to do. But I would have no problem taking any version of the Bible, any translation, and there's about 50 English versions right now. And I tell you, you give me any doctrine and I'll teach it out of that version. Guaranteed. This idea that they have taken doctrines out of the King James is a lie. And I submit to you it's a lie from the devil. Because so many people get hung up on the verbiage of the King James and they won't look at another translation and so they don't even have any interaction with God whatsoever. Any preacher, any preacher will say he'd rather you read a New International Version than not read it all. Any preacher will. Ask yourself the same question I ask myself. If I'm not reading it all, is that something God wants? For some, the King James is easy. I submit to you, Shakespeare is easy for you as well because they were written at the same time. Shakespeare can be converted to 2023 language and understood much better, and they do it in school. I submit to you, study Get into God's Word in whatever way necessary because this is one of the most powerful tools God has given us. Start with Jesus, not Weight Watchers. Include God's Word, which Weight Watchers will not do. BibleGateway.com is free. Over 50 different translations English that you can get. Look at this. They actually have a feature that I love and I use it. <coughs> You can pull up a verse, any verse you want, and see it in every translation. Same verse. Compare them. Compare them. Look at that translation that you understand and see if it helps you understand the King James. Why do I harp on this? I didn't read the Bible at all until I was 30. I robbed myself because I thought all the others were wrong. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. The first time I bought a new international version just because I wanted to understand. It was the exact same feeling as when I bought my first Playboy magazine. I felt guilty. It's like, why? This is God's Word. But it's not King James. If I'm not reading the King James, I'm getting nothing. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him, just like a father does a child. Don't see it as a bad thing. <clears throat> Difficulty builds strength. And a lot of times, God will not solve our problem magically <clears throat> because he wants us to have the strength to help somebody else with it. I've spoken to several people. Chuck, I think you're one of these that was able to give up smoking all at once. Okay? Most people don't experience that. And I believe most people don't experience that not because God favors Chuck, not because God thinks Chuck deserves it more, but God wants us to have, uh, not me in this particular case, but in my case, food. God wants us to have tools that we can go to other ways. I know exactly how it feels. I know how hard it is. 
despise not the chastening of the Lord. It's not a bad thing. Nor faint without rebuke of him. It's not a bad thing. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. The difficulty we have to see as a good thing. When I'm struggling against food, if I see it as a bad thing, I'm going to try to overcome it. If I see it as a good thing, if I attempt to see it as a good thing, the Lord could show me something to make me stronger in it. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. It's supposed to be difficult. For me, alcohol is not difficult. For me, drugs is not difficult. For me, the temptation Solomon had, piece of cake. For Solomon, they were huge. On the other hand, when I think about food, I'm, I'm confident most people cannot comprehend why it's such a big deal. Look at the thing that tempts you and you fight so hard. It's exactly the same thing. It's supposed to be difficult. It warns us and others not to go there. That's the purpose of the difficulty. It's not to punish us for being there. It's to warn us not to go there again. And so many times, just like the writer in Proverbs, we escape it today and tomorrow we run right back to it. It's like, how in the world could I do that? How can I? Knowing what it's going to take to straighten up, clean up, Start walking right. Knowing how hard that is. Why in the world am I doing this? The difficulty is designed to remind us it's going to be hard. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. The chastening is good. It's not a bad thing. It's not something to be avoided. It's not something that I've got to run and get a hamburger if I'm experiencing it. But in my mind... A hamburger is the only thing that will stop it. God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Again, this leads me to believe that every Christian's got one of those sins. Everyone. Most of us are pretty good at hiding it. Some of us walk a very, very fine line hoping we're not going to get caught. Jesus will help. In all likelihood, He will not snap His fingers and make it go away. Rarely does He do that. Even in the Bible, miracles are very, very rare because miracles typically don't help anybody. The people in the Bible who wanted miracles were people who had already seen one and want to see another one. What was the purpose of miracles in the Bible? Is to validate the message. And the message already been validated. There's no point. What is the point of struggling with the sin that so easily besets us? 
It gives us strength as we serve Jesus to help others. It is a good thing. Watch for Jesus to help. He will show up in ways that will be surprising. I'm going to give you an example. And you may may understand, you may not. Have you ever attempted your sin, whatever it is, alcohol or drugs or any food, you've attempted your sin and then at the last minute you realize there's something wrong with what it is that you're using. (coughs) Never forget getting a nice, big, Barbecue beef sandwich. Oh man, my mouth water's thinking about it now. Taking a bite and thinking, this doesn't taste right. Turn it over and the bottom is black with mold. He will help. You know what? I didn't finish that sandwich. I didn't order another one. I wasn't hungry no more at that point. He will help. But we have to decide I want to keep trying. I'm going to go to Jesus. I'm going to be honest with Him. I'm going to use God's Word. I'm not going to quit trying. If it gets hard, I'm going to choose to see it as God doing something good. Write it down when He does. Write it down. I've got a list in my computer of different things that I I call them Jesus prints. You know, we've heard Jesus prints for years now. But when God does something in my life that's clearly Him, I write it down on this list. The latest thing that I wrote down was Friday. Friday, I was in six lane traffic. I was in lane number four of six lanes. (coughs) Cars all behind me. And my truck just went dead. Just dead. I mean, nothing. No flashers, no nothing. And I'm sitting here thinking, all right, we're at a red light, and no one knows there's a problem, but when that light turns green, they're all going to be very, very angry at me because now they can't go, and they're already angry because of the, uh, the heat. They're already angry because of the traffic. I need something. You know what God put in front of me? Right, I was looking right at it. A big red and a big blue light. And so before the light had a chance to turn green, I ran up and said, listen guys, just so you know, I'm dead in the work behind you. I'm not moving. They flipped the lights on. Suddenly, nobody got mad at me. Nobody did. (laughs) As far as I'm concerned, Jesus himself put that cop right there to help me in that problem. But you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to go to McDonald's and gobble something down and make it feel better and then come back and deal with it. Write it down what he does. Why do we want to do this? Because he's not going to show up at the at the, the, the earliest place. He's going to show up at the last possible moment. So we want to remind ourselves he has helped me before. He's helped me before. He's helped me before. He's helped me before. He's helped. I can expect him to help me now. Now he's not going to take it away because it doesn't strengthen me for him to take it away. But what he will do, he will give us something to help in this particular instance. I promise you it will help if you write it down. Eight, but if he be without chastisement, 
whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. This verse is very painful for Christians to read. Check our salvation. Am I truly saved? There are some Christians, and I was one of them, that could not get assurance of salvation. Just couldn't do it. And so I was all the time, Lord save me, Lord save me. I bet I've asked the Lord to save me a thousand times over the years. And I never knew if it was me or Him. What does it mean to be truly saved? And how do you know if you're truly saved? The chair illustration did it for me. I'm not going to do it now, but I think you all know exactly what I'm talking about. Find something from Jesus that lets you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you are one of mine. You are one of mine. One of the biggest signs against being one of His is never having problems. That's one of the biggest signs against it. Christians who always, always, always see problems in somebody else, but they never have problems themselves, it causes you... It's like, all right, that verse says if you don't have problems, then there might be a problem. Check our salvation. I'm out of time, and we're only about halfway through. Father, thank you for what you're teaching here in Proverbs and in Hebrews. Father, you've already given us tremendous tools. I pray that you will bring these tools back to memory. Help us to remember to start with Jesus. Help us to stay in God's Word. Help us to see the difficulty as a good thing. Please draw us to Yourself as we fight sin. Please do not ever, ever, ever let us give up. In Jesus' name, Amen. We'll finish this next Sunday.